Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. For anybody who's online, wherever you're at, we welcome you. We're so glad that you are a part of the online church today. I want to begin with some of the words of Jesus. He's risen from the dead. He appears to his disciples. He's about literally to go up into heaven. And he said, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Now, what Jesus is saying is this. He is not just interested in getting you to heaven. So often people think about Christianity. I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to go to heaven. But Jesus has a purpose right now. Right? And he says, make them into disciples, not just Christians, but disciples. And Jesus' explanation of a disciple was this. He said, when a disciple is fully trained, they will be like their master. In other words, you and I, when we're disciples, we become like Jesus. That's what we're going to become like. And that's his plan for us. Not that we just get to heaven, but his plan for us is that while we're here, we go through this process and we keep on being changed, the Bible says in Corinthians, from glory to glory into his image. We're becoming more and more like him. That's God's plan. Well, today I want to talk to you about disciples being evangelistically bold. Now, Jesus is calling disciples that in the beginning of his ministry, he's been preaching by the Sea of Galilee. And Peter and Andrew are there. They're by Peter's boat and they're cleaning up the net. And Jesus calls them and says, follow me and I will make you fisher of men. Now, that word, we can say, well, look, he's talking to Peter. He's talking to Andrew and they're going to become uh, apostles and they're going to become disciples of Jesus. And that really has to do with them, but not with me. That would be like saying that when Jesus met with Nicodemus and said, Nicodemus, you must be born again, that it was only talking to Nicodemus. How many of you know what he said to Nicodemus was for you and me? And the same thing is true when Jesus said, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. That wasn't just something for Peter and Andrew. That was something for all of his disciples, you and I included. The mission of Jesus, say it this way, is now the mission of the church. It's the mission of believers. We can say it's the mission of disciples. And Jesus explained his mission this way. He said, the son of man has come to seek and save that which was lost. That was Jesus' mission. Now that is to be our mission as disciples. The passion of Christ is to be expressed through his followers. The love that drove him to the cross now should drive his disciples to reach the lost. He trusts you and I to continue his ministry. That ministry did not end. It's to continue through his disciples. Now, whenever we talk about evangelism, some people literally, they freak out, right? They're, they're uncomfortable. What they imagine is they imagine, you know, yelling and going, Turn or burn, you're going to hell, you sinner. How I many know Jesus never did that? And by the way, the gospel 
is good news. In fact, actually, uh, the gospel is more than good news. The, the word gospel that's translated from the Greek actually means almost too good to believe news. So that's what we have. Now, how many of you know good news is not you're going to hell? That's not good news. Good news is you don't have to go to hell. There is forgiveness. There's redemption. So, so we need to recognize God's not calling us to be some wide-eyed person yelling on a street corner carrying a sign. Uh, but he is calling us to have the mission of Jesus, which is to seek and save that which was lost. You, you may have heard me mention William Carey before. William Carey was born in 1761 in North Hampshire, England. Uh, he, he, his father was a school teacher, and he immediately developed a real love for languages. But by the time he's 20, he is a shoemaker, a part-time school teacher, and a lay preacher. Right? And he goes to a peep, what we call it, a pastor's convention, a minister's meeting. Right? And uh, while he's there, he asks the question. Now, at this time, he's about 20 years old. Right? And he asks this question. He says, was the command Jesus gave his disciples to teach all nations obligatory on all succeeding generations until the end of the world? In other words, he's saying, when Jesus said, go into all the world and preach to every creature, was that only for the first century or is that for us? He's talking in the 16th century, excuse me, in the 18th century and for us in the 21st century. Now, he's answered by the, the man who's presiding over this pastor's meeting by the name of Dr. John Rowland. Now, I would not want to be famous for what he just said, but this is, this is his claim to fame. He responded... And he said, young man, young man, sit down, sit down. You are an enthusiast. Now, by the way, an enthusiast is somebody who loves Jesus more than you do. It's somebody who is fanatical about loving Jesus. And his was, this is what he said. He said, when God wants to convert the heathen, he will do it without consulting you or me. In other words, he said, evangelism is totally up to God. If God wants to do it, God will do it. He doesn't use people. Well, of course, Kerry was totally unaffected. And a very short time later, he preaches another sermon. He preaches a sermon. And by the way, I, the, 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 the titles that they had on sermons a few hundred years ago were like sermons all by themselves. You know, we like to have two, three word titles. I mean, they have like, here's the title of this sermon. Inquiry into the obligations of Christians to use means for the conversion of the heathen. The title of the sermon. In other words, he says, shall we use means? Shall we do something to try to reach lost people? Or should we just let God do everything to reach lost people? Now, I don't know if you realize this or not, but when you pray and ask God for something, about half of the time, you're part of the answer. You're saying, God, do this. And God's like, you do that. God wants to use you because you're his hands, you're his feet, you're his eyes, you're his ears. Your arms are his arms to embrace. Right? Well, a short time later, they formed the first mission society. And of course, William Carey himself ends up as a missionary in India within a year and had a tremendous, tremendous 
effect on the continent. Right? Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. Plenty of work to do in the kingdom of God. So many people that need to be reached. The laborers are few. He said, so pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers into the harvest. Now, where is the harvest? Where, where do we do this? Well, wherever you happen to be, whether you're at work, at school, the gym, the coffee shop, wherever you are is the place where we're supposed to become fishers of men. I don't, how many of you are fishermen? Let me just tell you something about fishermen. All right. They always think the next cast. And after a while, then it's the next lure. Right. And when it's bad, one day they say tomorrow will be better. Right? They are the eternal optimist. Right. All the fishermen are going, you know, that's exactly what we're like. Right. Well, when we're fishing for men, we need to be the same way. Well, one prominent soul winner said this. Let the cross be raised again at the center of the marketplace, as well as the steeple of the church. Jesus was not crucified in a cathedral between two candles, but on a cross between two thieves. At a crossroad that was so cosmopolitan that the, the, uh, the, 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 the paper above his head had to be written in three different languages. The Son of God was crucified at the kind of place where cynics talk smut, where thieves curse and where soldiers gamble because that's where he died. And that is what he died for. He died for the cynics. He died for the thieves. He died for the soldiers. He died for the people that talk smut, right? If you look at the first century Christians, they literally had the passion of Christ to share Jesus wherever they went. The Bible says daily from house to house, face to face, they would share. Right? Bad theology is this. God will do it without me because we are his hands and his feet. Jesus lives in and through us today. Acts 5, 42. And daily in the temple, in every house, they did not cease to teach and preach Jesus as the Christ. So they did it in the temple. They had the, the big gathering, but it was also house to house, wherever they were at, they were doing it. Now, the reason they did house to house is how many of you know most of the time sinners don't come to church? They, they probably won't be in church. There's the exception to that, but most of the time they're not. And we need to reach people right where they are. You know, about uh, four or five weeks ago, I had the opportunity to hear Steve uh, Holsbrook give a little bit of his testimony about winning somebody to the Lord. And uh, this week, Steve put it on video for us. So I'd like you to take a look. I've been a uh, Christian for a pretty long time. And so I've come up at a time when, you know, racism was, I mean, it was just really blatant. So I started this job and it was a Christian-based company. I would come in and I would greet everybody. It was this young man, his name was Jim. When I first met Jim, I assumed that Jim was a Christian brother. And every morning I would come in and I'd say, Jim, good morning, brother. And upon calling him brother, you know, he got kind of hostile and let me know that I was in no way his brother. And a few other times after that, trying to interact with him, I realized that Jim needed salvation. He wasn't saved. So from that point on, I start praying for Jim every night. But every day, I'd still greet Jim the same way and I'd still have the same response every day. 
And, you know, along the process of going through that, I've heard some pretty hurtful things. Every night I still fall on my knees and Lord save Jim. After about a year, one day, they put Jim and I together to work alone. And as we was working, I looked at Jim. Jim looked at me and there were tears in Jim's eyes. And Jim said, I really don't want to be like this. And from that point right there, we had prayer, led him to Jesus. And it was a great thing because eternity is a long time. The next morning we came into work, Jim came in and all the black people, Jim was saying, hello brother, how are you doing? Hello brother. And everybody's looking around and they're saying, what happened to Jim? Really what happened to Jim was someone was willing to sacrifice themselves. And that's what it is, it's a sacrifice. The Bible says that we are a living sacrifice. And that's what some of that sacrificing is, is that we have to take the hurt and we have to go through things. And not just racism, it could be alcoholism, it could be any number of things, but we have to stay focused on what is really at hand. And what is really at hand is someone's soul is at stake. We pray for these kind of people. We fast for these kind of people. And we just wait for a breakthrough. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. Wow. What a story. What a story. You know, Jesus said that you're the salt of the earth. And, uh, Jeannie tries to uh, make us eat real healthy. But, but we have kids and grandkids that come over. And so uh, when we're at Costco, I, I like to get something for the grandkids. You know? so, so what I like are those Doritos, the ones in the red package. For the kids. I like that, for the kids. So, but, but I don't know if you've, you've tried to eat just one. I think it is impossible to eat one Dorito. I mean, if you have one, you're having 20. All right? And it's that salt and stuff that's in there, and it just you just gotta have more. You've, you've gotta have more. And literally, that's what Steve did. Right? He was the salt of the earth. And when, when he loved somebody who was really unlovable at the time, when he prayed for him and he kept on reaching out to him, it created a hunger on the inside of him. See, and that's what we're supposed to do. Jesus said that they'll see your good works and they'll glorify your father who's in heaven. We, we create a hunger inside of people. It's not about condemning people and telling them how bad they are. It's about loving people. Jesus said the great commandment was to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. Daniel said, he who wins souls, excuse me, in Proverbs says, he who wins souls is wise. And then in Daniel, those who turn many to righteousness, like stars, they will shine forever in the brightness of the firmament. You know, there's, there's, there's the Bible talks about the crown of rejoicing. It's sometimes called the soul winner's crown. It's such a shame that so many Christians, their, their, their story is this. I've never brought anyone to Jesus. I've never brought anyone to Jesus. Um, let me just say, take, take a chance. Take a chance. And you say, but what if it doesn't work out? You know, it very likely won't work out right away. You see, Paul said this. He said, uh, I planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. You know, you might be planting the seed. You might be watering the seed. And that seed might need quite a bit of water. Right? So you may not always see the harvest when you say something. 
right? But you're, you're watering, you're planting, you're doing what needs to be done. Uh, several years ago, we had a pastor's conference here, and, and I think we had about 600 pastors that was here, were here. And, and I'm surprised how many pastors never give an invitation in their church. In fact, I grew up in a church and went to that church for 20 years, and I never one time heard an invitation, not one time in 20 years. And the truth was, I did not even know how to become a Christian after being in church for 20 years. Right? So I'm talking to these pastors about how to give an invitation. And the truth is, they're, they're afraid. And somebody says, well, you know, he says, I've, I've done it, but it just didn't work. And I just said, well, that's because you're no good at it. You're just no good at it. How many of you know the first time you play basketball, you're not good at it? But you get good at it as you keep on playing. Right? And the same thing is true with, these, with, with a pastor giving an invitation. He may not be good at it the first time, but he keeps doing it. He's going to figure out what works, what doesn't work. He's going to learn how to pray for, for God's uh, instruction. He's going to learn how to pray for God to bring conviction. Right? So, so the same thing is true when it comes to sharing your faith. But the main thing that we do is not, in fact, I would say this. The one thing we don't do is talk theology. It's interesting, on the day of Pentecost, when the church is born, and the 120 are speaking in tongues, the Bible says that everyone heard them declaring the wonderful works of God. The Holy Spirit did not come and bring theology. The Holy Spirit came and talked about the great things that God had done. How many of you have had God do something in your life? You see, there's 10,000 people that need the exact same thing that you had happen in your life. And when you talk about what God has done, you see, that's glorifying God. That is magnifying God. That's giving God opportunities to do something in our life. Now, with Jesus, literally nobody was off limits. He, he reached out to the tax collectors. Ooh, you know, that was like as bad as it got. They were considered people who had committed treason, and then they would constantly overcharge. He reached out to the, to the rich, to the poor, to the sinner, to the prostitute. He was reaching to everybody. He initiates a conversation. This is in John 4 with what we call the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. Now, she was a foreigner. In that culture, the, the Jews and the Samaritans, in fact, it says it right in the Bible, they had nothing to do with each other. But Jesus broke that, that cultural norm. Men didn't talk to women in public. Jesus broke that cultural norm. And this was a woman who was literally living in an adulterous relationship. So what Jesus does is very interesting. He talks to her. He asks her for a drink of water. And she responds and he begins a conversation. Right? And literally, he sends her into town and Immediately, she becomes an evangelist for Jesus. Now, here's the, the rest. How many remember Paul Harvey? Here's the rest of the story that you probably haven't heard. Um, the reason you haven't heard is because most of us come from Europe, where the Roman Catholic Church had a tremendous amount of influence. But if you had come from the Eastern Orthodox Church, you would know about the woman at the well. At her baptism, she was given the name Hatveni, which means enlightened one, because her encounter with Christ had enlightened her. Despite being a woman and a Samaritan and having an offensive past, 
Tradition tells us, the Eastern Orthodox Church tells us, she became the missionary and a leader in the, of the church in Northern Africa in Carthage. She preached the gospel and was considered such a great evangelist that she rivaled the apostles. Well, in Carthage, she has a dream. And in her dream, she's instructed by the Lord to go to Rome and to confront Nero, who's persecuting the church, which she does. And she's beat up and she's thrown in prison. Well, in prison, she wins the emperor's daughter and her household to Christ. Then as a result of that, Nero has her put to death. But what this story tells me is this, that nobody is disqualified. Doesn't matter your past, doesn't matter your gender, doesn't matter your ethnicity, doesn't matter your, your education, your, your, your economic condition. None of it makes any difference. Jesus uses people that love God and love people. Nobody is disqualified. I think that's just an awesome, awesome story when you know the rest of the story. Jesus modeled how to love people into the kingdom of God. No hate, no condemnation, no high-pressure tactics, just grace and truth. The Bible says this, Peter is speaking. He says, we are witnesses of these things. See, what, what were the apostles? They were just witnesses. In Acts 1.8, Jesus said, but you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. See, all God wants us to do is to be a witness to what he has done, to love God and to love people. That's our purpose. It seems to me like so many people in the church today, in this Western culture, have been inoculated to Christianity. You know, inoculation or a vaccine, they give you a very small dose of the disease that is supposed to enable your body to create an immunity. And so many people have an immunity to what they believe Christianity is and to theology, right? But the truth is this, nobody has an immunity to being loved. Nobody. And everybody has needs. See, when we talk about the wonderful things that God has done, it opens people's hearts. Pharisees, you know, they love the religious duties, the rituals, and the traditions more than people. But God's, Jesus said, love God, love people, love people. When the church is born, the Holy Spirit is just declaring the wonderful things that God has done. In Mark 16, we're told to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You know, being bold in our evangelism and just sharing what God has done in our life is not optional for a disciple. There is a lawyer who comes to Jesus and wants to know, what's the, what's the law? How do I fulfill the law? And Jesus said, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And your neighbor is yourself. And, and you know the story. He said, who's my neighbor? So Jesus tells him a story. And he said, well, a certain man went down from Jerusalem, from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among thieves. And they beat him up. They stole from him and they left him there half dead. And he said, by chance, along comes a Levite, a religious person. And he sees him. And I don't know if he was afraid their thieves might be around yet or whatever, but he passes by on the other side. And then along comes a Levite. Now he's Excuse me, along comes a priest, secondly. 
So he's even of the priestly family. And when he sees him, he figures, hey, if I go over there and touch him, I might be contaminated. I might become unclean. I'm going to do some religious duties right now. And he leaves him. And then the Samaritan comes by who sees him and has compassion on him. Now, let me just divert here just a moment. It's interesting that so many times in the Bible, when we find Jesus feeding, when Jesus is healing the sick, the Bible says he was moved with compassion. It says it this way in the book of Corinthians. It says, pursue love. You know, when we feel that love, when we feel that compassion, we're supposed to pursue it. What that means is we're supposed to move in the direction that that compassion is moving. When you see somebody and you think, I need to pray for them. When, when you sense, man, something's going on in somebody's life, you, you need to get on the phone and you need to talk to them. When, when we follow that love, that's when we see more supernatural moves of the Spirit of God than any other time. In fact, it says, pursue love and desire earnestly spiritual gifts. It's the spiritual gifts that show up when we pursue love, when we pursue that love. So that man was moved with compassion and he goes down and he cleans his wounds and he puts him on his donkey and he takes him into town, puts him in, in a, a hotel and the next morning gets up and says to the innkeeper, here's two days wages. Take care of that man. And if you spend any more, I'll take care of it when I come back. And Jesus said to the man who'd asked the question, uh, which of these was a neighbor? Which of them showed love? to that man. And, and here's what's interesting. Uh, he wouldn't even say the Samaritan because the Jews hated Samaritans so much. He just said the one who had compassion on him. And Jesus said, you go and you do likewise. See, all the law, all your Bible, according to Jesus, is in just a nutshell, is love God, love people. Love God. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your might. This is the first commandment. And the second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Loving people, loving God. That's what Jesus came to do. Show us how to do it. Right? You and I are to do the same thing. And I just want to ask you, you know, when's the last time you shared with somebody what God has done for you? I know some people don't want to do it because they fear rejection, you know, or literally so often it's because we aren't loving people as we love ourselves. Right? We, we, we aren't loving people the way that we should. Uh, I, I, when I think about this, I think about Joyce Myers. Somebody said to her, Joyce, don't you ever get nervous getting in front of all of those people? This is what she said. She said, I never think about myself. I think about how I can help the people. Right? See, it's not about, how many of you know it's not about you? If all you're doing is, what do you, I'm afraid what they're going to think. I'm afraid they might reject me. No, you might think, you need to be thinking about them. Well, what if they receive? I love what Steve said in his video. He said, eternity is so long. It's forever. We have an opportunity to, to touch people's lives. The church of Jesus is not a building. It's the followers of Jesus who've been cleansed by his blood. And he speaks through your voice. He walks 
in your shoes. He touches through your hands. He embraces through your arms of love. The church cannot send Christ or the Holy Spirit out as a spiritual messenger to bless the poor, to comfort the distressed, to visit the sick, to persuade those who are lost to believe the gospel. The only way he can visit the sick and witness to the unsaved people is through believers, disciples like you and me. You're his hands, you're his feet, you're who he moves through today. I want to just close with a, uh, a dream that someone had. And I really believe that God gave them this dream. In the dream, Jesus has risen from the dead and he's ascended into heaven and he's sitting at God's right hand. And the angels are all around and they're like, Jesus, we saw the wonderful things that you did. We saw how you died for people's sins and redeemed humanity. And now you've risen from the dead and you're here. This is awesome. And he says, now the angel says, now, Jesus, what is your plan? How are you going to let people know what you did? And Jesus says, my disciples. And the angel said, well, well, what else are you going to do? What else? And Jesus said, nothing, my disciples. And the angel said, but, but what if they don't? And Jesus said, they will. But the, then the angel said, but what if they don't? And Jesus said, I have no alternative plan. I'd have no alternative plan. You and I are Jesus' plan to reach this world, to reach the people where you live, where you work, where you go to school, at the gym, at the coffee shop. You and I are Jesus' plan to reach this world. And all we really need to do is love God and love people. Say, so would you bow your heads for just a moment? Jesus tells the story of a prodigal son. The son comes to his father and says, I want my inheritance. I don't want to wait till you die. I want it now. And the Bible says the father divides his good and he gives this young son his inheritance. And not many days later, he goes into a far country and he spends everything in prodigal living. But finally, there's a famine that arises in the land and he's out of money. But he's been doing his own thing. He's been living a wild life, forgetting God, pursuing the world the world, the flesh, the devil, illicit relationships. But he comes to himself and he says, hey, even in my father's house, they have more than enough if they serve him. A servant, I'm going to go back and I'm going to say to my father, I've sinned against you and I've sinned against heaven and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He looked at what he had done and he said, you know, I'm empty and unfulfilled. All these things I thought would satisfy did not. And he arises and he goes to return to his father. And the Bible says when he was still a long way off, his father saw him and he arose and he ran to meet him and he embraced him. And when the son said, Father, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, he literally shut him up and he said, bring a robe and put it on him put a ring on his finger, put sandals on his feet, killed the fatted calf because this my son was dead, but now he is alive. 
And you may be that person today who's away from God. You've been living for yourself. And I've prayed that today that you will come to yourself and you will say, God, I've gone my way, but it did not fulfill me. It didn't satisfy and it's empty. And I want to come to your house today. And I don't want you to give me. I want you to make me. Make me a disciple of Jesus. I want to turn my back on my old life. Stop living for myself. I'm going to live for Jesus. So I'm going to ask you, no matter where you are, to bow your head. And I want you to pray this prayer out loud. But especially if you're away from God, you don't know where you stand with God. You're that person who says, today, I'm coming back. I'm coming back to God. And I'm coming to get right with God. I'm coming to receive forgiveness. I'm giving him my life today. I want you to pray this prayer. Say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again. I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. Jesus is my king. Jesus is my Lord. I'm going to live for him. I thank you. You've heard my prayer. That I'm forgiven. That my past is gone. That I am your child a part of your kingdom today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope what you heard today has been encouraging and given you new insight into the Word of God. We upload weekly, so join us again next time. Be blessed and enjoy your week.